a little bit, doesn't it? Unless you're cold and dead inside, and then, <clears throat> and, you know, there's no hope for you anyway. So, I'm kidding, just kidding. <clears throat> but anyway, here we see some gentlemen, some young men taking their stand, right? They, they're kind of rebelling against the man at their school, and uh, just, you know, they decided kind of in their hearts that they knew who had really kind of stirred them up and got them going and kind of encouraged them to be at the point where they were willing to now stand up against the guy who was the dean, the principal, the one in charge of the school and defy him and take a stand for what they would probably say was their real leader and their real teacher. Today, I want to look at someone who's kind of gone through a similar thing in, uh, in the story of Jesus, and that is Peter. In Luke chapter 22, if you have your Bibles or your phones, you can open up to uh, Luke chapter 22, and then if you want to, a, a couple pages over, skip over the book of John and come to the book of Acts, will be in Acts chapter 2 as well. But I want to try to maybe draw a story together. Many of you know Peter because we've talked a little bit about Peter, but Peter was courageous. You know, he was, he was bold. He was willing to go out and, you know, kind of do things that that uh, maybe others wouldn't do. He was the first maybe to, to kind of come and say that, this, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Messiah. And, and then you know, right after that, he makes a statement that actually ends up with Jesus rebuking him and saying, get behind me, Satan. But Peter just kind of has this, this personality, right, that's just like he's going to go conquer the world. He's going to uh, attack the world and make sure that, that, uh, that, uh, that he wins in the end. And so here we have this guy who's been with Jesus. He's been with him for a long time. And now we get to just the hours before Jesus would be crucified. And remember, we had that prediction from Jesus where Jesus said, you know, before the rooster crows, that you will deny me three times. This is and the Last Supper, which we're going to celebrate today as well. And, and Peter said, never, never, I'm never going to deny you. And here is where we find the fulfillment of that prophecy from Jesus. Luke, Luke chapter 2, verse 54. Then seizing him, Jesus, they led Christ away and took him into the house of the high priest. And Peter followed at a distance. Remember we talked about that a couple of weeks ago as well, how the disciples, when it kind of came to the moment, the epic moment of Christ's crucifixion, that they kind of drifted back into the shadows. They hid back. They weren't, except for John and, and uh, Jesus' mother and maybe a couple others who were there that we know at the foot of the cross. Everyone else in we, that we read in Luke just kind of sat in the background and was not visible in front of what was going on. And here we see Peter now, this bold, brash, abrasive, aggressive guy is following at a distance. And you might argue with me, well, he had to do that because he didn't want to get you know, taken into custody as well, and he didn't want to get in trouble for being a part of it. But, but still, the contrast is there that, that he had been bold, and now he's following at a distance. Verse 55, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. Peter sat down with them in the courtyard. You can imagine the scene, right? There's, there's a courtyard, as it says, a courtyard, and there's a fire going out in the middle. It's the, you know, the cool of the evening, and, and Jesus comes through the courtyard, and, and he's taken into custody into the house of the high priest, and they're going to do some interrogation, and, 
And here, Peter comes in, and he kind of sneaks into this courtyard, maybe a square like we're sitting in, and, and he just comes in and sits around those who don't believe and aren't a part of one of Jesus' followers and goes in and just sits down at the fire. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight, and she looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are, are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. And about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fella was with him, for he is a Galilean. It's an interesting, it's an interesting phrase to say, well, he is a Galilean, and there, there's maybe some some connotation there, you know, maybe he looks like a Galilean, maybe he dressed like a Galilean, maybe he sounded like a Galilean, and his, the tone of his voice, you know, the dialect with which he spoke made it kind of gave him away, you know, anytime he opened his mouth, he probably kind of gave away where he was from, just like if, you know, I'm from southeast Ohio, and we had people that had different accents all over there, we didn't live too far away from West Virginia, we know we had people who talked in West Virginia a little bit differently, and, and uh, they kind of had this accent, and, you know, just, you know, kind of talking like you would expect someone from the south to talk, I'm not going to try to do it right now, if you want a good impression, you can ask my wife, she does a great one uh, about how people from the south talk. But maybe he sounded like a Galilean, looked like a Galilean. Verse 60, Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And in one of the Gospels, we see we, that actually Jesus looked over at that moment, and at the moment the rooster crowed and looked across the courtyard and looked right at Peter and saw him at that moment. But it's kind of striking to me that this, this guy who, you know, who had wanted to kind of take charge and, and, and defy all odds and defy all rulers, defy everyone who, who was kind of there you know, in, in, in the establishment, and he just wanted to stand up against them. Now he's sitting down with those who he doesn't know and denying the fact that he ever walked with Christ, that he was ever with him. And some of what stuck out to me was this, is that the way, the way I grew up, you know, I grew up in southeast Ohio, it's kind of a part of the Bible Belt, and we had a lot of people there who what we would call, or I would call now, I'd call cultural Christians, right? They, you know, they, they follow Christ because that's just what you do in Ohio. You go to church on Sundays in Ohio, it's just kind of how things are, you know, or in the south especially, you know, people... People just go to church, and you're kind of defined by the fact that you go to church, and you're defined by what church you go to, and you say, well, I go to this church, and, you know, that's kind of who I am, and that kind of denotes that you're a part of this crowd and not this crowd, and, you know, we went to a church in a different town because my dad was an associate pastor there, and so we were removed from everyone in our town, and so that kind of defined us a little bit differently in the kind of people that we were in my school, and, you know, so in the, in the South, it's just kind of how you are in the Bible Belt. You're just defined by the fact that, you know, you go to church, and it's just who it's what you do in that culture and but I think growing up one of the things that I've learned and I think we've certainly seen it now today 
is that there are a lot of people who can go to church but not be with Christ. Right? There, there's a lot of people who, who can look like they're with Jesus but not be with Jesus. You can look like you're one of his followers, but you're not one of his followers. You can be around other people who were with Jesus, and you can have friends who are other Jesus followers and still not be with Jesus. And you can even sound like you're with Jesus, but still not be with Christ. And I think that's what we see happening here with Peter. And he's going to get his redemption here in just a minute. He gets his redemption uh, after Jesus' resurrection when, uh, you know, he talks about feeding his sheep and Jesus loves him and forgives, you know, all that stuff is taken care of. But, but here in this moment we see Peter, who looked like he was with Jesus, was no longer with him. This is Peter, though. I mean, look at, remember what Peter had gone through with Jesus? Remember all the stuff that that Peter had had witnessed and and seen? Remember he saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was the one who wanted to pitch the tents and stay there, and and he saw this this moment between heaven and earth, between between the God of the universe and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and Elijah and Moses, and he was a firsthand witness to that. Peter was there when Jesus fed the 5,000 men plus women and children. He saw the miracle. He was actually a part of the miracle that took place. He walked on the water. Did you know that? Peter walked on the water with Jesus. I'm not going to attempt that this morning, but you, know, you just picture you know, Peter walking on the water, and then when he took his eyes off of Christ and started to sink in the water, he was there when Christ pulled him back up out of the water to safety. Peter saw Jesus do a lot of stuff. He saw Jesus cast out demons, and he saw him heal people and do many, many miracles. And yet, when it came down to it, he ended up not really being with Christ. I've got a picture I want to show you. This is a, a picture of when I was baptized as, I think it was nine or so. This is uh, Lake Jackson. It was outside of town where our church was, and uh, it was a man-made lake. I don't know if you've ever gone into man-made lakes, but it's, you know I still remember very vividly as I'm walking into the lake and stepping down into the water. You take that first step, and all of the squishy, gross stuff you know kind of comes up between your toes, right? And then you take that other step, and you're you're asking yourself, "Do I really want to do this?" Like, am I sure this is that important to me? And then I remember it's cold. We walked out into the water, and, and you know, my dad is the one on the right there in the picture. That's my sister with the hair, the curly hair. Uh, perms were cool back then, you know, so she had probably had a perm not too long ago. And on the left, it's Reverend Herman Stewart, and, you know, had that cool, uh, I don't even know what you call that haircut, but he was a really nice guy. <laughs> But I remember, I remember this vividly. I remember walking out into the water, and I, I think I still have that shirt somewhere. I don't know if we have it here, if it's still in Ohio. And, but I remember, you know, and I, uh, I, the fall before, we had had a revival, and I talked to my dad. I said, you know, I want to I I get saved. And so my dad took me up to the altar, and he prayed with me. We kind of prayed through the sinner's prayer and got saved. And then later, when it, when it warmed up, we didn't have a baptismal tank like we have here for the church, you know, we didn't have any way to do baptisms inside, so we had to wait until it was at least not frozen to go outside and do the baptisms. And so you can see it's summer here by the trees, got baptized and came up out of the water, and we sang a hymn. I can't remember. 
I remember dad bringing the hymnals out for people, you know, so that we could sing some songs after everyone got baptized. And... But there was this, another picture I wanted to show you, and I can't, I don't, I didn't actually, I don't know that I've ever seen it. If I saw it, it's been a long time ago, and I don't have the picture. My mom, my poor mom spent hours and hours and hours looking for it. It's not, she doesn't think it's a print, it's a slide. You know, this was back in, you know, way, way, way back when we did slides. And I remember just loving, you know, getting out the slides and kind of looking at the slides as a family and just have this slideshow. And we'd beg dad to get out the slide projector and he'd say, no, 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 no. And then finally someone would come over, you know, friends or family. And we thought, well, here's our chance. And we can finally work that enough so we can get out the slide projector and look at slides from, from back when mom and dad were missionaries in Brazil. And we can kind of see this whole thing, you know. And but the, apparently there's this slide of me being dedicated. Anyone here been dedicated as a baby or baptized as a baby? No, no shame, no, no offense, no, don't worry about any of it. But, but here's the thing. I don't remember being dedicated. Does anyone else, maybe you were older, maybe you were an older child, but... You know, if you were like, my, like most of us, you know, we have had our kids dedicated. They were babies, right? They were little kids. We had pictures of it. I wanted to ask my kids, do you guys remember when we had you dedicated? No. Oh. Well, see, you know, we, we think about this idea of dedication and baby dedication. And when it comes to the idea of baptism, we say, well, you know, I don't need to be baptized. I was baptized as a baby. Probably if you don't remember being baptized, it's a good sign that maybe it's time to get baptized. And, you know, I didn't remember, and I couldn't even find the picture to see if it could spark some kind of memory and, you know, squeeze something out from the, from the recesses of my mind. But I, but I couldn't remember it, and that's important because I think that's a distinction that a lot of us need to make is that we think, well, I was baptized as a kid, or, you know, my parents really wanted to baptize me, and my parents really wanted me to go into the tank. And it's important that you, when you follow Jesus, it's your decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ, and that it's not something that you're trying to do to please somebody else, right? It's like when, when we put our faith in Christ, we're, we're putting our faith, our own faith, my own life, my own everything into his hands. It's something that I do, and I follow him then into the baptism waters, and I stand up and I declare before everyone, I am with Christ. It's not about the church that you belong to. It's not about the, you know, the denomination that your church is a part of. A baptism is about the Savior that you belong to. Are you with Christ? Could you say that you're with Christ? Let's jump forward to Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 17. Remember we talked about this last week, that, that the Holy Spirit came at the beginning of this chapter and all of the followers of Jesus Christ who had been there when Christ ascended, and remember he had to ascend, he had to go to heaven and go sit back at the right hand of the Father because he had to return to his glory and he had to return so that the Holy Spirit could come and the Holy Spirit had to come so that we could be empowered to live the kind of life that Christ has called us to live. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you receive this gift of the Holy Spirit and he dwells in you, you become the temple of the Holy Holy Spirit, and this is what had just happened for the very first time in human history in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit had come, and everyone was speaking in all these different languages, and all the people who were from all over that part of the region had come, and they were hearing people talk in their own language. And then Peter, verse 14, look at this. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter stood up with the eleven. Peter stood up with the eleven, and he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, 
Remember, they didn't have microphones back in the day, so he would have raised his voice a lot. And, you know, uh, so I tend to get a little excited and raise my voice from time to time. And, you know, I know that doesn't fit with everyone, but I think if you guys can get all excited and yell at a football game, I can get excited and yell about Jesus from time to time on a Sunday morning. So I raise my voice sometimes and I get really excited. And here's Peter. He stood up. He's raising his voice to be heard, but probably also raising his voice because he's got this passion that he just received from the Holy Spirit. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. It's amazing to me that here in this moment, in this instant, now, because Peter has the Holy Spirit, he also is able to draw together and pull together God's word into the sermon for the very first time. But I think the Holy Spirit did something else for Peter. I didn't think it just gave him the truth and the passion that he needed to to be able to share. I also think it, it gave him the courage to stand up. Can you imagine what Peter is going through at this moment? I mean, so here, this is the very first sermon that had ever been preached by someone other than Jesus to bring people into the kingdom. Very first time this this has ever happened. They had just for the very first time in all of human history received the Holy Spirit just now, very, very fresh and very new, and they had no idea what to do about it. But, but remember that loud sound that came on the upper room and just says, and every, it drew everyone from all over town to come and see what had happened. And now everyone is there, and Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, now seizes the opportunity, and it's almost as though now he's going back to that moment. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Do you really love me? And Peter, standing out in the midst of thousands, literally thousands of people who had come from all over that region of the world, stands up in front of them and says, you have no idea what he says. I need to go look it up because it's really important that that you hear it. Don't worry, this long, awkward pause will be over in a minute. Because I don't have it in my notes. Don't worry, I'm getting there. Listen, listen to what he says to these thousands of people. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross." How is that to really, you know, kind of ease in the crowd and say something to kind of lure people over, right? It's like, you, with the help of wicked men, 
nailed him to the cross. This is the Peter who, who was afraid, who was afraid when there were just a few people gathered around in this courtyard that he might be pulled out and, and singled out, and who knows what would have happened to him if he had associated himself with Jesus. But now, now he's got the gift of the Spirit, and now he's willing to stand up and not just stand up for Christ, he's willing to stand up and tell people, hey, this is what you did. You put Jesus to death, and now you have to repent of it and be saved. And as we see, this amazing thing happens. Verse 36, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus, again, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And then we read that he baptized, that they baptized 3,000 people that day that were added to the kingdom. I love that line. With, with many other words, he warned them. See, I have biblical precedent for speaking a long time. So I don't, know, I don't know how many of you in here have been baptized, how many of you have gone into the tank on your own and just decided, I want to stand up for Christ. I want, to, I want to tell the world around me that I believe in what Jesus Christ did for me, and I'm willing to just kind of take my stand. You know what I was reminded of when I was reading those words that, that Peter stood with the other 11? I was reminded of, of our series that we just finished up in the book of Ephesians where, where we're talking about putting on the full armor of God and how you're supposed to do everything to, to, to you know, stand up against the attacks of the evil one. And then once you have done everything, to stand. And I think baptism is a, is a great opportunity for us as followers of Jesus Christ or people who have not yet put our faith in Jesus Christ to remember something. We remember communion every single week. We remember what Jesus Christ did for us, the sacrifice he paid for us with his own body and his own blood on the cross. And, and baptism is a time for us to remember our own stand. It's a time for us, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, to remember that time that, that you had the same kind of faith that Peter had and you wanted to kind of stand up in front of all your friends and family and, and just take this stand. I am following Jesus Christ. I am with him. That guy over there that you're about to crucify, I'm with him. The, the guy that, that kind of that sets the standard for how we're supposed to live and how it even contradicts with this corrupt generation that we live in, you know, I'm, I'm with him. Are you with him? I wanted to show you that picture to not only remind you, but remind myself of when I took that stand for the first time and I wanted you to stop and think and remember about the time you took that stand. And if you took that stand, if you've, already, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and you've taken that stand, what's happened since then? Are, are you still standing? Or, or are, you, are you kind of afraid to get up on the desk? 
Are, are you still standing, or, or is there just too much pressure from you know, the man, or too much pressure from this generation and this culture that we live in, this too much pressure to, to kind of be able to go back and, and take that step again? And you can see it on his face in the clip that we watched. It's like, well, I, I feel like I need to do something. You know, something awful is happening. Something that I don't agree with is taking place. And, you know, I really believed in this guy, and I thought Mr. Keating, you know, was really teaching me and kind of bringing me to life. And I wanted him to know before he left that that I didn't really, that I was forced to betray him. I, I had to betray him. I, I didn't have another choice, but, but now he's leaving. This might be the last chance that I get to, to say to him, oh, captain, my captain, right? And, and then, then what happens? And someone else stands up, oh, captain, my captain, before you know it, half of the class is standing up on their desk and the principal has lost his mind. He doesn't know what to do, but his, half of his class is standing up on their desks and they're saying, you know what? Forget about you, Mr. Principal. He is our leader, oh, captain, my captain. We can resonate with that feeling, can we? We can resonate with the idea that I don't know. I just don't feel... I just, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know if I can actually do it. And every time I start, every time I start to take that stand, something pulls me back. And that's why we stop and remember things like baptism. It's to remember that time when following Christ was the most important thing for any of us, Right? When, when, when there was nothing else that would take place in my life other than I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to put him first and I'm going to make much of Jesus, my life is going to be known as being wrapped up in the ways and the mission and the work of Jesus Christ. This is going to be my call. This is going to be who I am from this point forward. So I'm going into that tank to symbolize to everyone that I am now putting to death my old life, my old self, my old ways, my old selfishness, my old thinking, everything. I'm putting all of that to death so that I can now be raised to new life in Christ. And from this point forward, I am his, he is mine. I'm committing my life to live it out for him. And so we need to remember, do you remember what that was like? And if you've never done that, maybe today is the day you need to do that. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And I'd have to ask, could this be that day for you? Could this be the day that you finally put the old life behind where you walk away from this corrupt generation, from the corruption of this world that was nailed to the cross with Jesus, and you finally put that to death once and for all, and you put on this new life, this new life in Christ? Could this be your day to finally Go from hiding in the crowd and sitting down around the fire to try to blend in with the world who doesn't care an ounce about you and standing up with Jesus in front of those who may want to kill you and have been seeking your death and being able to stand up. I am with Christ. Follow him. Repent. Are you willing to take that stand? And if not, I have to ask, why? Not just, not just taking the step of getting baptized, but taking the step of standing up for Christ out in the cold and dark world. 
that hates him. Because it's one thing to take a stand in here, right? We're all going to cheer. We're all going to applaud. We're all going to be on your team. It's really exciting for us. This is what we're all about as a church is bringing people into the kingdom of God so that they can experience this resurrection power of Jesus Christ, not only that he resurrects us from the dead at some point down the road, but that his resurrection power is here for us in the here and now so that we can start to live this transformed life like we've been called to. Like, and we're going we're gonna to dunk some people, and I'm going to hold them under there until God tells me to release them. I'm kidding. We've, we've joked about that throughout the week. It's like, well, you know, you have to die, right, to get the new life. And so, I mean, how long do you have to hold someone under? But I'm not going to, I'm not going to, no one's going to die this morning. But what's keeping you from standing? What's keeping you from standing? Either here with everyone who believes and agrees and supports you, but taking that boldly out into the world like Peter did here for the very first time and willing to say, there's so much more for you. There's, there's so much more than this broken disaster of a life that you're living. Don't you want more than that? I mean, your world is literally falling apart before my eyes. Don't you want the one who comes and reorders and reorganizes everything? Don't you want the God who created the world and created the system that the world operates on to come in and fix your operating system and, and root out all of the virus? Don't you want that to be resolved and fixed and cleaned once and for all? But what's keeping us from taking that stand in the darkness. And if you've never taken that stand, what's keeping you from taking that stand today? <clears throat> Romans chapter 6. This is Paul talking to the church, to the Roman church, and he says he's been talking and making this argument, and we're not going to get into the first part. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin, that grace may abound by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Think about that as we go through that this morning, that everyone who's being baptized as we go down into the water are being baptized into his death. If you've, if you've been baptized and you, you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've followed through and you've been faithful to that step of being baptized, you were put to death with Christ as you were baptized. We were, therefore, buried with him by baptism into death in order that, like, we don't just stay dead because Jesus didn't stay dead. We don't just stay dead in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We too can experience new life in Christ. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self our old life, the, the one who continues to struggle and wants to sit in with corruption and, and follow the ways of this world. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For anyone who has died has been set free from sin. 
This life that you're struggling with, the burden of this life that we struggle with before we come to Christ, the only way to really be set free from that and to conquer that once and for all is to put your faith in Jesus Christ and bring the one in who can bring the new life that needs to put the old life to death. But now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him for the death he died. He died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. How about your life? If I were to ask you this question, who are you living your life to? Living your life to self, to, to your own desires? Are you living your life for sin? Are you living your life for, for your own pleasure, for whatever it is that you're seeking in this world, for your own things, for your own good, for your own selfish pursuits? What are you living your life to? If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have been baptized, then all you have to do is put on the new life and just walk in it. You've got the Holy Spirit. We just, we just read that already, that, that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that's there in the very first presentation of the gospel, you know, that Peter makes, is that receive. When you put your faith in him, you receive the Holy Spirit. That means you have the resurrection power. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is living in you, and now this resurrection power has the power to give you life over death. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have to live in the death any longer. You don't have to continue in the ways of sin any longer. You don't have to keep going on with all of the corruption and the brokenness and the fallenness of this world. You have received new life. All you have to do is walk in it. Why are you struggling and walking in the old life when you've been set free from it? But if you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're still walking in death. There's no easy way to say it. It's not popular to say it anymore, but all of us have come out of that if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Some of us have not put our faith there yet, and so we're still stuck in it. But every single one of us was without Christ. We were without God. We were hopeless in this world. And it's not until we choose to put our faith in him that we can receive hope and joy and life. Are you ready to take a stand? Is there something that's keeping you from... No, it's not just that my jeans are tight. Is something keeping you from taking that step and saying, I am with Christ? I, I, I'm with Him. I don't care if there's hesitation and if there's reluctance. Just take the stand, right? Just finally take that stand and, and say, I am with him. I'm no longer with that. I'm no longer with whatever that was. I am with him. He is my leader. He is the one I follow. He is the one I put my faith in. He is the one I'm going to wrap my whole life around, and he's going to cover himself and cover me in his righteousness, and I am his, and he is mine. What, what's keeping you from taking that stand? I can all, well, I can guarantee that whatever is keeping you from taking that stand is nothing compared to what you receive when you take it.
So we have a few people who are going to get baptized. Henry, my oldest son, is going to be one of those, and we've been talking about what that means, and I think he understands that, and we have others who will be baptized this morning. We're going to open it up for everyone. See, because just like, like Peter did on that day in that first sermon he preached, they were baptized that day. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, we want to give you the opportunity right here this day to take your stand for Christ and the waters of baptism. We don't want you to put it off. We don't want you to make a thousand excuses for why you can't do it today. We've done our best to kind of meet some of those. We're going to videotape the morning. We are going to have someone taking pictures. So if you, if you take your stand today, we can get you a picture of it so that you can share it with your family, which is what you should do, by the way. You should go share it with your family and say, you know, I got baptized on Sunday and I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. I am a co-heir with Christ. I am a member of his household. I am a member of his kingdom. I am his. He is mine. I am no longer controlled by sin. I have received this new life in Christ. Don't you want that? Hey, look, I did it. You can do it too. That's, that's what we're supposed to do when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to do it. We've got shirts over here. We're running out of some of the shirts. So if we don't have a shirt for you, we will order a shirt for you and make sure you have one if you don't get one today. We have towels, and, but you can just go home wet. You can go home all wet. You can sit in our chairs wet. We don't care if you get our chairs and the carpet wet. We just want you to take that stand. I'm just asking you, we take that stand. If you want to take it, you can just come up here, and Jim and Russ and Becky, they'll be up here, and you can talk to them, and they can make sure you understand. All you really have to know is that I was once controlled by corruption I was once controlled by sin and this world, and I believe in what Jesus Christ did for me on that cross, and I, I, I want to put my faith, my faith solely in him. I don't want to just rely on the faith of my parents or those who have gone before me and the, and the dedication or the baptism I had as a child. I want to have my own faith, my own walk with him. I'm taking my stand, and from this point forward, I'm committing my life to following Jesus Christ. I am one of his disciples. I am one of his followers. I am his, and he is mine. That's all you have to do today if you want to take that step, and then we'll walk with you from this point forward and do our best to disciple you. But this is a command Jesus has given us as a church. His final words, some of the last words he uttered on this worth were to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and Lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Don't you want to be with him? Don't you want him with you? Let's stand. <clears throat> We've got a lot we're going to squeeze into the last 15 or 20 minutes of this service. During this song, we invite you to come forward and get the elements for communion. If you want to get baptized, just come up here and, and come stand over here by the tank. And we'll baptize you. If you're one of those who's getting baptized, you can come over here and just stand by the tank and, and we'll get you ready over there. You're going to have to hold on to that communion stuff for a while, so keep that in your hands as we go through the next song, as we go through baptisms, and then we'll remember what Christ did for us on the cross and we'll remember being baptized and celebrate everything together. I want to pray. Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you for this great story. I thank you for the work that Jesus Christ did on that cross to put corruption to death, to put my death to death so that I didn't have to die the way that he had to die. I thank you that now I can receive forgiveness, that I have the opportunity to be forgiven 
because he paid the price for my sins. I thank you that, that I've received that, that is a gift that you've given to me. I thank you for the new life that you've given me in Christ and for the boldness that you've given me by the power of the Holy Spirit to take a stand for you, to stand up with other believers, to stand up with other disciples who have gathered around and just take this stand to say, I believe in Jesus Christ. You should believe in him too. I thank you for that. Thank you for the power of the resurrection. Father, for those who are here who may be wrestling with that decision, I pray that you would give them boldness. I pray that you would give them courage that, that if they want to take that step today, if they want to stand and put their faith in Jesus Christ, that there would be nothing that keeps them from following through, but that they would be willing to follow into the waters of baptism and follow you into a death like yours so that we could receive a life like yours. Father, give courage and boldness for that. For the rest of us who have already put our faith in Jesus Christ, give courage and boldness and remind us that at one time we stood with him and the desire to sit around the fire and blend in with the crowd is not a desire that you want us to have, but by the power of the Spirit alive and active and at work in, the, in us as we believe that you want us to receive this new life and with that this new desire, this passion to bring as many into the kingdom as we possibly can. Revive that fire, revive that passion in us this morning as we watch others take that step for the first time. We give you praise, thanks, and glory for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen.